0: Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. That's
1: greenlight.com slash odyssey. A word of warning. This podcast explores graphic and disturbing stories and includes some strong language. It therefore may not be suitable for our young listeners or other folks who may find it disturbing. Hello and welcome to True Crime Daily, the podcast covering high profile and under the radar cases from across the country every week. I am your host, Anna Garcia. This is the first one of 2022. We are recording this on Wednesday, January 5th, 2022. Happy New Year, everybody. Welcome, everyone. We've got Eric... Ross, off with us, an old friend of the show. Eric is a retired Burbank lieutenant with 31 years in law enforcement. He's also launched two training and consulting organizations, including the Campus Safety Group, which focuses on emergency response plans for K through 12 and college level. Eric, you're a friend of the show. Welcome back.
2: Uh, thank you very much. It's always such a delight to uh, be with you and uh, your audience Uh, Looking forward to today's show. It's very interesting uh, uh, cases you're going to be reviewing.
1: I kind of feel they are holiday crimes. One took place on Christmas Day. The other one was revealed on New Year's Eve. So I feel like we have the holidays covered here as we launch into 2022. Okay, here's what we're looking at. Police in New Hampshire are asking for the public's help to find a missing seven-year-old girl. Now, she was reported missing last week. But here's what's really disturbing. She has not been seen since 2019. Why the delay? Who is to blame? And where is this little girl named Harmony Montgomery? Right before we started this podcast, there's been a huge development in this case. There's been an arrest. We'll get to that in a minute. But first, a personal trainer in New York is accused of assaulting and shooting his parents' In their Long Island mansion on Christmas Day, reportedly over a dispute about his one year old son, which is their grandchild. The child's mother and the baby were in the house when all of this happened, according to police. We are talking about the case of Dino Tomasetti. He's a 29 year old personal trainer. And a bodybuilder who lives in the Williamsburg section of Brooklyn, and he trains clients in Queens. Now, when we say bodybuilder, Dino is cut. I mean, just look at these photos. He is 5'9", weighs about 235, and according to his own social media, he claims to be able to deadlift 725 pounds and bench press 550 pounds. I mean, I'm a woman who does like two pound dumbbells in each arm. So like, you know, I can lift four pounds. (laughs) Unbelievable. I mean, the, the photos are incredible. So Eric, I know one thing that always happens during the holidays, families gather, we celebrate, but there's also stress, things happen. And there tends to be a lot of violence during the holidays,
2: Under normal circumstances, normal being, let's go pre-COVID, the holidays can be a source of joy and also, unfortunately, a source of great angst and anxiety. And uh, it's not surprising that uh, across the nation, there seems to be a jump uh, specifically in domestic violence related uh, categories uh, during uh, events, uh, holidays, birthdays, you know, uh, something where it seems like, okay, now we're all gathered. And uh, there's a uh, generally, you know, hopefully there's some sort of joy in the fact that we're gathered, but that sometimes then gives way to uh, underlying issues, family related issues that unfortunately, then because sometimes we'll mix in alcohol, or, you know, other things that might uh, take us away from rational thought. And then that manifests itself in some sort of violent act. Unfortunately, You know, uh, this one, as we're looking at it, there's so many tragic parts to it, but in front of a small child um, is just uh, a, a tragedy unto itself.
1: It really is. So, Dino's parents are very wealthy. They live in a sprawling $3.2 million estate, 8,000 square feet, in Hewlett Harbor on Long Island's South Shore. The family business is construction and concrete. Apparently, the family has been in this business a very long time. They helped to build One Trade World Center. Now, the New York Times and the New York Post report that there are alleged ties to organized crime between the companies and some of the principals. We're not going to get into this because we got too much to discuss on the Christmas Day shooting. So Dino's father, Rocco, is 65. His mother, Vincenza, is 64. Let's go to the crime scene. It is the morning of Saturday, December 25th, 2021, Christmas Day, 10 a.m. Police say that there's an argument between Dino and his parents about Dino's one-year-old son. The parents are reportedly taking care of their grandchild. I guess the baby lives with them primarily. But Dino apparently wanted to take the child. And as he was trying to leave with the boy, he gets into the argument with the parents. The parents apparently didn't want him to take the child. According to the Bergen County Daily Voice, that Dino wanted to take his boy away, and even though the natural biological mother was in the house at the time, he apparently, Dino, did not have custody, and that was the source of the argument. According to the Daily Mail and the New York Post, they have identified the mother as Clarissa Perez. Nassau County police chief told the New York Post that when the grandparents objected, Dino allegedly pulled out a 22 caliber gun and shot his mother in the head and his father in the wrist and in the back, according to police. Then it is reported that Dino, when he ran out of bullets, allegedly took his gun and started beating his dad with it. And then finally left. Okay. Now Dino does not have a criminal record as far as we know. So witnessing all of this is the one-year-old who's somewhere between one and two, and then the mother of the child. Dino takes off in his 2017 Cadillac Escalade. So police already knew who they were looking for. They knew the vehicle they were looking for. This was a gift from his parents. He did not take the son with him, which is probably why he hasn't been charged with kidnapping. And... A police managed to track down the vehicle to Mawa, New Jersey that same day, about two o'clock in the afternoon. This is about 50 miles from the shooting and police shut down the highway in order to trap him and to arrest him. He's taken into custody and he has been charged with attempted murder. The parents have survived. They were taken to the hospital, they needed surgery, and they were finally released last week. What a mess, Eric.
2: Yeah, it's uh, all those things that just come together at one point uh, that uh, leads to uh, how we started out this conversation, that uh, when you start to add it all up, the, the father does not have physical custody of his son. There's a reason for that. You know, there's uh, some judicial or other, uh, you know, process that goes on that he's been deemed as not fit to uh, for whatever those reasons might be. And I think those reasons manifest themselves when he comes to then. Otherwise, it would appear, you know, from everything that we can see that it was an unauthorized taking of this child to which the parents intervene and say, no, you can't do that. there are so many underlying parts to it, you know, but the fact that he was armed uh, with a small caliber handgun when he arrived at the house, is it possible that, you know, uh, going into his parents' house, normally would you be armed with a, uh, a small caliber handgun or did he arm himself to go in? And then following that trail is if he armed himself, he might have been considering that there might be a, uh, some hesitance and was the gun like a persuasion thing, you know, that, hey, I'm taking the kid and displaying a gun? You know, um, th- there's no way to, uh, to actually uh, capture all of that. But we know that all of these things are in play. But when you add up all the bits and pieces that we have, uh, we're looking at a uh, someone that, uh, you know, I don't think you can read these stories without saying somebody he snapped and the right. physiological chemical or other reasons, you know, that might have led to that snap when you introduce a uh, handgun into that stress, uh, really bad things are going to happen. And I think we are looking at this thing. It's incredible that the parents survived that.
1: It really is. I mean, for the, for your mom to be shot in the head and to survive this, it's, it's so frightening. Um, no one has brought up and we are by no means suggesting that there is the possibility of steroid use. All I can say is, he is, I mean, he is really massive. Dino, if you look at his photos, he's enormous. His muscles are enormous. Uh, it takes a lot of work to get to that place. and I, i'm I'm not suggesting, but I do I, I am a little curious. Was there anything else going on here?
2: There's uh, you know, uh, you as a journalist and myself as a former investigator, We look at the facts that are in front of us and take inferences from those facts. Um, And then we report those facts. Right. And the facts are that he is a ripped bodybuilder. There's a body of work that suggests that steroids are consistent with that um, with bodybuilding. Um, And there's also a very that's a scientific body of work that steroids can lead to aggressive behaviors so uh yeah i we're, that's not an inference that's just following where the facts take us as a journalist and as an investigator
1: and i'm sure that that's being investigated as well to see what his state of mind was at the time now dino Tomasetti has been charged in new york with two counts of attempted murder and he's being held without bail now what i find very interesting here is that in the meantime, while he's still being held and he's got a court appearance this week and and his case is going forward on the attempted murder charges, a judge has issued a protective order for Dino's parents, his child, and the mother of his child. Even though he's behind bars, they have already put a protective order in place because it's very possible he may be released on bail because his family is very, 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 very wealthy. Um, you know, right now there isn't any bail, but he, he may make a case for that. So the New York Post reports that Dino's attorney argued against the protective order, especially when applying to his child and to the mother of his child. Didn't have a problem with the parents, but it had to do with that. Claiming, now the attorney for Dino said, He never threatened the child. He never threatened the mother. Now, I got to hand it to the judge here because the judge disagreed. And here's what the judge said, quote, I believe based on what's been described on the record and what I've heard that both of those individuals were within what I would classify as an extreme zone of danger. I mean, that is putting it mildly, right? Right. (laughs) Right.
2: It's like hello. Yeah. I think at, at the end of the day, you know, there's a, there's a process that takes place, and there's going to be a prosecutor that will talk about the danger that goes on because that's part of the prosecution. There's going to be, and this is an equal part to the process, is there's someone that defends the accused and will enthusiastically and in full voice make that defense. And part of the defense is it wasn't as dangerous as the prosecutor is making it out to be. Now, in the middle of those two things is a judge. And the judge will stay in the judge's lane and say, no, I take I've considered both sides. And I think there is enough danger at this point to cover everybody that was there underneath this order. So um, everybody did kind of what they were supposed to do there. But I don't think, again, a rational person would look at this and say that, oh, I think that a, a restraining order is too big of an issue. I think actually most people are thinking, I don't know that a restraining order actually protects anybody.
1: Right. Under these circumstances, of course, of course, when someone wants to get you, we've proven this over and over again through history. Someone will get you. But it is important because if he and he doesn't have a criminal record that we know of is is truly a law abiding person. And then he breaks this restraining order by going near any of them. If he is out on bail, he's back behind bars. So, you know, it's it's a way of controlling him if he may not be able to control himself will it remember work i have th- no idea
2: i'm sorry to interrupt you Please. The, um, uh, uh, generally speaking and not obviously having access to the entire order but remember frequently those orders will include not just physically not being around the folks but in any effort to reach out to them so that would include generally speaking text messages phone calls whatever it might be, maybe towards intimidation or to, you know, whatever it might be, it's you may not have any sort of contact with these people. So the 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 order actually extends past any physical contact and goes into don't you know, you you can't have any. And uh, under these circumstances, it wouldn't be uh, out of the line of um, um, uh, to keep it within some sort of true protection to extend that to agents. Like he couldn't have his best friend reach out to his to the mother of the child uh, type of a thing. That's it. You cut off. It's like they don't exist to you, have no contact with them whatsoever. And then they'll have their days in court. But for right now in this interim, until there's a judicial uh, uh, recommendations that come out, we're saying you don't even know who these people are. Uh, so stay away from them on all lines.
1: Dino Tomasetti is due back in court this week. His attorney told reporters that this incident is, quote, unfortunate. I would say that's an understatement and that he should not be tried in the press and that the facts and the circumstances will eventually come out. The mother of the baby has custody of the child right now. And that is where we leave this case. Before we move on to our next case, here's a quick word from our sponsor. This new year is a great time for all of us to focus on what is really important, whether that is learning to cook, maybe ordering less takeout, or maybe prioritizing your wellness. HelloFresh is here to help with endless options to make cooking at home easy and enjoyable. So HelloFresh delivers pre-portioned ingredients to your door and everything is fresh, really important. So you can get both the quality and the convenience. All their meals are ready in about 30 minutes. So you have Quick and easy meals, which include 20 minute recipes with low prep and easy cleanup options. You can always like go more fancy if you want to. Now, another benefit is that HelloFresh is 72%. Did you hear that? 72% cheaper than a restaurant meal of the same quality. And you can save on average $65 per month when you order HelloFresh instead of your grocery shopping. And we all know how expensive groceries have become recently. Now, I am waiting for my first HelloFresh delivery. But I said to HelloFresh, you choose for me because I eat everything. So surprise me. So I don't know what's coming in my box, but I'm going to be sharing this experience with you. Now, if you want to join the HelloFresh family, go to HelloFresh.com slash TCD16. That's for True Crime Daily. And use code TCD16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. That's HelloFresh.com slash TCD16. Don't forget to use the promo code TCD16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. Hello, Fresh, America's number one meal kit. Our next case is out of Manchester, New Hampshire, where police are asking for the public's help in finding a missing seven year old girl. She was reported missing last week, but she has not been seen since 2019. None of this makes any sense. Harmony Montgomery, seven years old, she has blonde hair, blue eyes, wears glasses, and is blind. In her right eye. She was last seen on October of 2019. So her most recent photos that authorities have are from the age of five, but she looks about the same, we believe. So last Friday, On December 31st, New Year's Eve, the Manchester police released a missing persons announcement and had a news conference about this. So everyone's like really puzzled. It's like, well, wait a minute. If the child has been missing since 2019, why are we only figuring this out now? Now, the police department said that they received a report that week that seven-year-old Harmony has not been seen since 2019, the circumstances surrounding this prolonged absence quote are very concerning and are being thoroughly investigated. Okay. Um, apparently there were some issues with child protective services and that is where I guess all the wires got crossed and somehow this child has been missing in the process. Now there's been a late development in this harmony's father, Adam Montgomery, 31 years old, yesterday, January 4th, was arrested on one charge of felony assault, that going back to 2019, and we something happened at the house the last time that she was seen, 2019. Uh, Also, one charge of interference with custody and two charges of endangering the welfare of a child. So, we still don't know where Harmony is. Her father is now in prison, but we still, excuse me, in jail, but we still don't know where she is. The police chief of Manchester, Alan Aldenberg, said that Harmony was in the child welfare systems, systems of both New Hampshire and neighboring Massachusetts. Okay, so now you have two systems. Let's face it. None of these systems works very well. And now you've got two of them. And the overlap and the gap is somehow where Harmony fell through the cracks here. So she was last enrolled in school in Massachusetts in 2019. I mean, how in the world is anyone going to keep track of where she is under these circumstances, Eric?
2: Yeah, um, the unfortunate reality and uh, my personal experience and the uh, just uh, also uh, continuing to read and monitor cases that involve any state or county uh, office of children's services. Uh, frequently exposes uh, a couple of realities. Uh, first and foremost is my personal experience with workers have been that the workers overwhelmingly are passionate folks that get involved in this type of work because they have a desire to, to help and protect children. Uh, then that passion frequently seems to get lost in a bureaucracy That's not very good at connectivity and, you know, sharing information and frequently the right hand may not know what the left hand is doing, which creates these gaps. And I don't think you can, you know, go through any sort of an Internet search with Department of Children, Family Services, you know, blamed for X, Y and Z to find out exactly what you've just just described, that there was a gap and somebody fell through it. And now uh, we can't account for that person. And this, unfortunately, frequently results in a, a tragedy.
1: So apparently, according to the police chief, the New Hampshire Health and Human Services Division for Children, Youth and Families notified the police that week that she's been missing for two years. They finally figured out, hey, wait a minute. What happened to Harmony? So no Amber Alert was issued because They really don't have any details as to where she disappeared, where she disappeared from, with whom, what vehicles, none of that. The Manchester police say that officers responded to a call at the last known address where Harmony was living. And that call was in October of 2019. Now, remember, October 2019, last time that anyone has a record of her, police are called to the house and now the father has been arrested for allegations stemming from 2019. So uh, I'm thinking this is the vortex of where everything happened and, and her last known sighting. So after the Department of Child Services figured out that they had no idea where she was, police then sent investigators, this is recently on January 2nd, back to the last house, in which Harmony was last seen. Well, the house has been sold and there's a new family in there, but the family, according to the police, was very cooperative, let them search the property. We have no idea what, if anything, that they found. Police say that they have spoken to as many members as possible that they can locate of Harmony's family to try and figure out what is going on. And the police chief had a news conference a few days after Harmony's disappearance was announced. And here's a part of it. I, I'm, I'm in rescue mode right now. All efforts are focused on that Harmony is alive and we are going to do everything we can to find her in that condition. Until somebody shows me something that points that she's not, then that may change my, my attitude or my perception on this. But for now, we have to operate under the assumption That she is alive and well somewhere and somebody knows something and if there was some flaw in the system i'm not saying there was but if there was where was it and how's it going to be addressed okay the police chief may not want to say it but i'm going to say it this is much more than a flaw in the system we are talking about the life of a child okay so a child presumably in the system for protection and if the system in charge of protecting her doesn't know what happened to her. And then they're clearly not protecting her.
2: Yeah. Uh, one thing doesn't necessarily exclude the other. However, from a law enforcement standpoint, the, the statement is we're using every possible refor- resource to locate this young, this little girl and uh, make sure that she's safe. Um, I understand a little bit of damage control that might come into it because the police chief has to understand that while they're making the statement, everyone is doing exactly what you're reporting right now is saying, well, what in the world happened right there? However, uh, when you go into the damage control, that kind of takes away from the main point, which is we're trying to find this this little girl. So, um, you know, there will be some sort of after after action report that hopefully there will be a resolution And certainly, if there's flaws, we're going to fix those flaws. But I'm not 100 percent sure that that really should be occupying any space right now in law enforcement's efforts. You know, we, we definitely should fix the system if it's broken. But right this second, I'm laser focused on finding this little girl.
1: A local independent news blog called the Manchester Inc. Link reported on Monday that family members claimed that Harmony's father had custody of the girl. The site also reports that the Manchester house, the one in which she was last seen and which was recently searched in the investigation used to belong to harmony's mother before it was sold. That's their reporting. The Manchester Inc link also reported that a woman they identified as harmony's mother had posted on Facebook that she and her family had filed multiple reports of abuse and neglect about the daughter and that no one responded until she called police and contacted the mayor's office. Mayor's office confirms getting the complaint and sending it to police. What we don't know is what happened between October 2019 and now. So the Daily Beast is reporting that Harmony's great uncle reported that he was at the family house, October 19, all roads lead back to that, that date, when the police were called and that there was an incident He said several family members shared the home and that he said during this unspecified incident, which we still don't know the details of, he tried to enter the house but wasn't allowed. And then he called police. He told the Daily Beast that Harmony was inside and visibly frightened. That's his, his reporting on it. And he told the Daily Beast that he called child services in July of 2019 when he saw that the girl had a black eye. Okay, a lot going on there. And then WMUR-TV reports that residents had complained about the living conditions in and around that house in the neighborhood to city officials. And they claim that they were told that there was nothing they could do.
2: Yeah, this um, there definitely will be some opportunities to look at. Uh, where we, uh, we being law enforcement uh, and, you know, the the government uh, that risk different agencies that responded to this uh, may have been relying too heavily on one another, where children's services might think that, uh, you know, well, if there was really that much of a problem, the police department would have intervened. And the police department who has a limited scope of uh, availability would say, well, we're going to notify Children's Services because this is their jurisdiction. And then once again, we run into this. uh, The right hand doesn't know what the left hand might be doing. But uh, the unfortunate reality is we're still missing this this little girl. And it's um, uh, just tragic that maybe there were many times along the way uh, it sounds like right there were multiple reports to uh, folks that did have jurisdiction to act on this, and uh, not having been out there, uh, not knowing what was said or seen or sensed by any of the responders, uh, it just in the in the uh, the total, it would appear that um, there was a, there were at least one, if not multiple, opportunities missed.
1: My fear is, if no one has seen Harmony since 2019. Is she alive?
2: And that's the fear that uh, is being shared by everyone that is reading any of these stories. That um, you would imagine at this point, especially somebody's in custody, that uh, anyone with any knowledge about Harmony's uh, wh- where she's at right now would just simply pick up the phone call and say, Hey, I've got Harmony right here. And, uh, uh, you know, I-, I suppose there may be some securing of her because maybe she was the victim of domestic violence and they don't want her to testify against anyone that might have you know have been violent against her but um the uh the overwhelming sense and sadness is that uh this story uh, can likely end up with that she uh is is dead and that's um a nightmare it's just a nightmare
1: it's just horrible we'll put up whatever recent photos we have access to, and all of you do all the good work that you do by sharing things on social media and see if we can't figure out what happened to Harmony.
2: It's the importance of uh, what you do. What this show does is information and you know, getting information out. And uh, you know, I think that uh, you know, there's um, a, a higher likelihood of some sort of uh, resolution you know uh with the more people that become aware of uh the circumstances and uh you know the police department can weed through the speculation and the hyperbole and uh as you know you've been doing this for a while the police department doesn't release everything that they have right. you know there's a certain amount of important facts that they will keep back for the integrity of the case not trying to cover things up but uh they can't give everything out to the press so you know that that exists as well. But as these, uh, you put this information out like you do, more information will start to come in and then they can piece this together and hopefully, again, to a, a final resolution to this case.
1: It is time for the first comments of 2022, and we've got producer Owen Michael joining us. Hi, Owen. Happy New Year.
3: Hi, Anna. Hi, Eric. Happy New Year. Got a story out of Missouri in the St. Louis area. A man with a white beard wearing a Santa hat was arrested the week of Christmas for allegedly robbing a bank in the St. Louis area in Bridgeton, Missouri. Kenneth Hopper is accused of stealing thousand dollars from a bank. He did so, quotes, with the threat that he would blow up the bank with a bomb, according to police. Police said when officers caught up to him in his car a few miles away, he was still wearing the Santa hat. and He allegedly repeated the bomb threat to them. Police shut down surrounding streets. A bomb squad was called in. Bomb-sniffing dog and a robot confirmed there was no bomb in the suspect's car. The stolen money was, though, police said. After his arrest, he was hospitalized with chest pains. Oh, really? (laughs) Apparently, pretty stressful uh, situation. (laughs) Then charged with all that holiday cheer. Then charged with first-degree robbery and first-degree terroristic threat. Stephanie L. said, well, he's getting coal. Amber L said uh, guy ruined his life over a thousand dollars. Chris R said uh, the pandemic sent Santa back too. And Jessica K said bad Santa.
1: Very bad, bad, bad Santa. Very I just,
3: bad. I, I like the fact that he, uh, you know, Decided to kind of Christmas cheer it up, took advantage of the white beard that he had and uh, wore a Santa hat. That you don't mm. see
2: that every day. Wouldn't you yeah. like to be the police sketch artist? Interviewing <laughs> <him>?
3: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can imagine. And also pulling this guy over and just being thoroughly confused.
2: Like, are we sure we have the right guy? But uh, yeah. Or the yeah. or the lineup. I don't know what else you would get. <laughs> that's right. Yeah.
1: Right. They have to pull all the Santas from the mall <laughs> <DNA> <laughs> for the police lineup for everybody special, in the bank.
3: It's a special book that they have of uh, yeah. just uh, Santa related crimes.
1: <laughs> oh, dear, dear. Santa's not going to be happy about that.
3: Yeah. It's a tough way to start the new year for Santa.
1: hmm hmm Well, Owen, as always, you brighten up our otherwise very dark crime day. <laughs>
3: Do what I can over here. Bye, right, guys.
1: See you next week. Bye, Owen. Thanks. So long. Well, Eric, thank you so much for joining us this week. It's always a pleasure to see you. Where can people find out more about you, what you're working on, how to find you on social media?
2: Uh, I'm always uh, delighted to be here and spend some time with you. Uh, and again, I'm, I've told you before, we're very proud of the work we're doing at the Campus Safety Group uh, related to all things campus safety. And uh, they can simply go to campus com and uh, read up about us.
1: Excellent, you can find me on all social media at Anna G News, Anna with a one N. And we also wanna make sure we say hello today, a hello for HelloFresh, our new supporter and sponsor of the podcast. We love all things food and fresh. So thank you for supporting us. Also, we wanna make sure we've got a bunch of great episodes that we dropped over the holiday. They're from the My Favorite Case franchise of True Crime Daily, the podcast. Just really some amazing stories, and I hope you enjoy them. You can find them wherever you get your podcast. You can subscribe to our True Crime Daily YouTube channel, and you can also sign up to receive our newsletter at truecrimedaily.com. And, of course, we're always updating social media So until next week, this is True Crime Daily, the podcast. I'm your host, Anna Garcia. And as we always say, don't do crime.